Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. I am Adam Motenko, here with my twin brother, Josh Motenko. Yo, what's going on, guys? I got I got a little gravelly 1-900 voice for those of you who grew up in the 80s. Uh, but, but let's do this. Thank you for the outdated reference. Mike Minkoff with us as well. How's it going, gentlemen? I, uh, I, I feel healthy and uh, I'm, I'm not, not here to be your prospectively inappropriate uh, hotline. <laughs> so today we're, we're fully in the offseason right now. What might be a shortened offseason, if you believe what the NBA is saying about trying to start before Christmas. Uh, and when it's the offseason, as fans, we get heavily into trade ideas. And so that's what we're talking about today is potential trades for the Celtics. Mike, I'm going to throw it to you first because you've got a process you want to use today. That's right. Yeah. So um, obviously we're not the uh, the first or the only out there to be, be talking about trades, but it's that time of year. And uh, yeah, as Josh was noting, or Adam was noting, we've only got maybe six weeks here to squeeze all of this uh, very rational trade talk in. Um, so as I've been thinking about, you know, trade needs for the Celtics, I've kind of looked at six main things um, that that if I were the GM, I would be I would be thinking about. The first one is roster consolidation. We've got too many young players, too many draft picks um, this year, and clearly our bench was was not strong enough in in the playoffs. So uh, that that's number one. We need to kind of move some of our less than players, bundle them up with some of our draft picks and, and upgrade our depth. Um, number two, we need a big man that can compete with the absolute best of the best. And so, you know, but I, when I say that Tice is really, really, really good. And what he gave us in the regular season um, and most of the playoffs should not be overlooked. Um, but he's neither equipped to deal with like the ADs or the BAMs, the, the hypermobile athletic centers uh, that are taller and stronger than him, nor is he equipped to deal with the Embiid's or the Jokic's uh, that are just way bigger than him and very talented and versatile offensive players. And I, assume are not, I assume hmm? I should be holding my comments. You were just kind of giving an overview and then we'll dive in. I'm just holding you. Yes, yes. Just patience, patience, young sire. Um, so, granted, there aren't that many guys in the league that can battle with with those uh, both categories, let alone either category of, of bigs. There, um, you know, when we talk about getting a big man that would upgrade for Tice, we have to acknowledge that Tice is an above-average rim protector, especially for his size. He's excellent at kind of keeping the D intact. He makes sharp rotations. He has great anticipation. Uh, he's able to hold his own on perimeter switches. Um, so we'd want someone that at least brings two of those three qualities and ideally all three. Um, and then it's been clear based on the way we brought on Cantor, the way we brought on Tice, that the Celtics are not heavily invested in paying big money for the center position. Um, so, you know, we're not looking, we're likely not looking at identifying a center that we then have to invest in long term, unless it was someone like an Anthony Davis. Um, and that ship has sailed clearly. So that's number two, big man that can compete with the best of the best. Number three, a low usage ball moving kind of strong athletic wing uh, that can, that can really defend. Um, now the ball moving part's important because if you watch the playoffs, as we all did, uh, when Hayward came back, it was evident how much more effectively the ball moved 
Um, we were able to swing the ball, especially against the zone, but even in the man offense, uh, Hayward, um, for all, all of the, the flaws that people comment on, he is a very, very high level, uh, very, very high level at making quick decisions in the flow of the offense and keeping the ball moving, which gets the defense in rotation, which opens up better driving lanes or shots for the perim- guys on the perimeter. So we, we'd ideally want someone else that can do that. Um, on the defense, you just can't have enough guys that are viable defensive options against the LeBrons and the Hardens and the Durants uh, of the world. Number four, we need financial flexibility. Um, we're currently projected to be over the luxury tax line this year um, and forever forward. <laughs> and at a certain point, that's going to become cost prohibitive, even for an ownership group like ours that has demonstrated a willingness to pay the tax when we're um, in championship contention. Uh, but when you factor in Brown's extension, which kicks in this year, and Kemba and Hayward, who each make 34 plus million or 30 something plus million, um, we're, we're already over the tax this year. Uh, even if Hayward accepts his player option and it comes off the books next year, Tatum's max extension would kick in, assuming that happens. Um, if it doesn't, that's a whole different issue. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Marcus Smart comes up. And then Marcus a, Smart comes yeah. up in two years. Uh, and, and he's on knows? a great value contract right now. Yeah. And who knows what the cap situation is going to look like. We've been, we've been holding off on talking about this in depth until we actually know, have some information about whether the cap is going to be smoothed and whatnot. Most accounts seem to indicate that it'll stay basically flat. Um, so let's assume something like that, but this, this doesn't account for rigorous cap math at the moment. Um, number five, the last two are really quick. Number five, veteran presence. We've discussed this previously, you know, Hayward and, and Kemba, um, they're veterans, but they don't have the been there, done that, uh, attitude or, or reality, uh, that someone like an Andre Iguodala brought to the heat. Um, and I think for our, particularly our young up and coming players, Having someone like that as we get to the later rounds of the playoffs is is very valuable. And then last and least to me is uh, we could upgrade at the backup point guard spot. I actually like Brad Wanamaker. I know I know he's a target of uh, criticism by a lot of fans. Um, I think he was more than serviceable in the backup point guard role. Uh, but I would put him. I'd put this as like an an end of the line need for us. Um, and it, so. Adam, sound like you had some comments or reactions. Well, I mean, I, I if we're going one by one, are we starting with uh, roster consolidation sure. potential trades? That just feels like a conversation we've been having for years, ever since we started getting Brooklyn picks. Consolidation has been a topic, and, uh, and it's never really happened. <laughs> Everybody's expected Danny to consolidate, and it's never happened. He's just kind of decided that the best route has been to um, have as many bites at the apple and, and hopefully get um, the best players possible. And the ones that don't work out, <coughs> Carson Edwards, um, the, those players are just not going to stay on the roster and he'll figure something uh, else out with them. Kid, kidney shot for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, uh, Josh? Any thoughts on roster consolidation? No, I mean, I've got, I've got small thoughts on all these things, but they'll come out as we talk okay. about trades. All right. Any I, other any other high level reaction? Adam? Um, to to all of the, I mean, it's I love the list. It, it's it, looking at it. Uh, yes, a big man that can 
compete with the best of the best. Every team needs that, uh, especially the ones that don't already have one. And and that's an interesting topic just because of the way the league is going. It was interesting to see in the playoffs this year how important that still is, especially with the best team when you're competing against the best teams. And then finding a low usage, ball moving, strong, athletic, defensive wing is far harder than uh, it sounds. Those those players are. are are few and far between, and we have a, a number of them already on this roster. We have more than most other teams. Well, not necessarily the ball moving part, but we've got the other parts. Right. Um, well, yeah, I mean, who can do all of it is the challenge. Yeah, and but that's it's important to me. It was important to frame it this way because people like to complain about who we have on the team, but to me, it's like you need this type of big man or that type of wing if you're really talking about upgrading the team in a serious yep. way. Um, you know, uh, at least at, at, at a positional level. All right. So those are the, the kind of, that's the high level framing I use. And so, um, Josh and I, uh, are gonna, are gonna kind of go back and forth here talking about some trades. I think Josh, all of your trades and most of my trades, honestly, are anchored around one player on the Celtics, Gordon Hayward. Um, but, but I've got some other thoughts beyond that. Josh, why don't, do you want to kick things off? And, and launch uh, launch in with what you think is your best trade option. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not going in best to worst. Okay. I'm just going All right. To we'll go, we'll go random to best. I'm, yeah. I'm actually curious what you guys think of the different trades that I've got. And I've gone through a full cycle, emotional cycle, I'll call it, of uh, you know presenting all of these to the Celtics blog staff on the Slack, getting most of them shot down, thinking I'm not good enough. And then coming all the way back around to like, let's just talk about these anyway. Uh, because <laughs> other people are talking about some of the exact same trades. Um, Josh, bring so in the rejected let's trades. Go the Kings, Thank you, Josh. I made it. Yeah, I got some rejected trades for you guys. But, but you know, anytime you come up with a trade idea, you get, you're going to have one to 100,000 people who are going to reject it right off the bat. Um you know, and especially if we're talking about Gordon Hayward, some people don't want to trade him at all. So they're going to reject these trades already or stop listening right now. Uh, but let's talk about the Kings because I know you got some Kings trades. Yep. I feel like Buddy Heald is, is the guy that everybody's talking about. And I would 100% trade Gordon Hayward for Buddy Heald. Uh, Heald, you'd have to add another salary to that. Um, and I think that you'd upgrade the backup point guard position if you have uh, Corey Joseph's twelve million per year contract to be to be our backup. I think he's an upgrade over Wanamaker. Um, he's a veteran. He's a guy who's been with the Spurs for a, a long time. So your trade? It's Gordon Hayward for Buddy Heald and Corey Joseph. Okay. Did Heald average nineteen a game on forty two percent shooting from three, eighty five from the free throw line? He's twenty seven years old, so he's entering his prime, and he's not happy in Sacramento. And it's pretty obvious after uh, being forced to come off the bench. Um, in favor of Bogdanovich. So you're starting healed on the Celtics and bringing Smart off the bench, I assume? Uh, yeah. That would be Kemba, Heald, Jalen, Tatum, and Tice, presumably. Other starting five. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that we don't have on our team is a guy who's shooting over 40% from three who's just automatic, you know, who's not... It would be nice to have that alongside Tatum and Brown. Adam, what, why don't you go first? What's your reaction? I mean, I, I think Buddy Heald is a strong scorer, and um, he's, well, I was going to say he's young, but I remember, he, I think he was like 24 when he came into the league. Yeah, he's 27. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's it, it fits better with the, um, the the ages that we have. I think Gordon Hayward has been largely a disappointment, and um, what, the thing I like best about Heald is he's got this descending contract over the next four years, starting at twenty five million and going down to nineteen. Um, it's going to be that's going to cause some salary cap issues moving forward, but um, I think that he's tra- a tradable asset as a result of that, and you only have Hayward for another year. Um, who knows after that, um, the, the concern that I have is, is I just don't know that I think we'd probably have to throw a pick in or something. I don't think Sacramento would do that deal. I don't think that's enough for them. Yeah. I mean, I, well, it's unclear how much they would value getting off the money. So it, it may be. Um, cause that gives them all of a sudden a lot of, a lot of freedom. I'm not, so I'm Adam, not convinced you that trade. If you yeah, I would Celtics. definitely do the trade. Yep, Interesting. Definitely. I mean, I, I, I do feel like it's time to, for Smart to start. Um, and uh, so bringing somebody in like Heald, who's already had issues coming off the bench, is a bit concerning to me. Um, and, and, and Mike, you mentioned a, Sacramento might want to get off the money. I expect they just throw that money right at Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah, I well, in so... in ideal world that Smart should start, but you know, he's fine doing either role. So in a situation where you're you're trading for a player who is not going to want to come off the bench, then I think you know Smart's easy to slide into that. And as far as adding first round picks, I'd add two of the later first round picks from this draft. You know, we got three yeah. first round picks to throw into trades this year. I, we're lucky that Smart has been happy coming off the bench. I wonder whether that is going to shift for him, especially, especially coming yeah. up on this new contract. Yeah, I think that's fair to wonder. Um, you know, I I think he. I think he's clearly grown as a playmaker, so that is something to watch watch out for. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not so like I I agree with you, Josh. It would be great to have a knockdown shooter. Um, Buddy Hield doesn't bring anything else to the table other than shooting, and he makes way too much money for that skill. Like Joe Harris, I mean, not that we can get Joe Harris because we can't sign free agents right now, but he'll probably make like ten to fifteen million, maybe maybe up to $18 million as a free agent this off season. And he's just as good a shooter. Um, You know, I, so I don't, I don't think to me getting buddy healed, getting a guy that's been disruptive granted, you know, it's probably a good sign if someone's disruptive in in Sacramento at this point, um, because they're so dysfunctional. It should like, you know, Jimmy was quote unquote disruptive. uh, Well, actually disruptive, but it's because he just wanted to win and be in a, a winning environment. So, Jimmy? um, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. And may, so me, so I'm saying that maybe when a guy is disruptive in a dysfunctional environment, it, it suggests that, you know, they're concerned with winning and, and opportunity in a winning culture more versus just yeah. being a problem, um, as a personality right. generally. So, I'll, I'll give so Mike, a would, little benefit of the do doubt. I don't think I would do that trade. And I, it, it would certainly not be the first, way I'd look with Sacramento because Adam, you mentioned Bielitsa. That's the first place I'd look is a sign in trade focused around Bielitsa or not Bielitsa. Sorry. Uh, Bogdanovich yeah. adding in Bielitsa or Corey Joseph okay. is also an option. Um, but I would want, I, I think Bogdanovich is, and I think we talked about this early last season as well. Bogdanovich is like a perfect kind of 80% of what Hayward gives you maybe even a little more than that. He's young. He, you know, he fits the, the 
timeline for the Celtics. Um, and he's a, he's a very good shooter. I think he could come off the bench and be like six man of the year type candidate. Um, and, and would fit seamlessly in kind of the rotation. I think Bielitsa would be a nice floor spacing, uh, bigger body that we could just give us a little versatility. Or if we want Corey Joseph, I like that idea as a backup point guard and I'd be, I'd be fine with him. I agree. He'd probably be a slight upgrade, uh, though he's not as strong and, and that would give us another small point guard, um, that we'd have to try to figure out matchup wise. I love Bogdanovich. I think he's one of these guys that um, hasn't quite had the opportunity to show what he can do and given more playing time, given a starting role, which there's a question about whether he'd have that on this team. Um, I think he can really impress people. He's he's a real scorer, and he's done a lot of international play uh, that hasn't shown up in in, uh, in the NBA quite yet. Um, and he's also a better passer than uh, than uh, Heald. Heald. Heal doesn't pass and Heal doesn't play defense. Bogdanovich doesn't play a lot of defense either. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think Bogdanovich is a year younger than Healed. Uh, I think he's 26. Let me double check that. Wait, but can no, I, he's can 28, assume, so he's a year older. Can't we assume that the Kings have made their choice already by starting Bogdanovich and sending Healed to the relinquishing him to the bench and that, you know, they're going to be more likely to trade Healed? I don't think Bogdanovich is really on the table. I don't think we can assume anything with the... Uh, well, but Bogdanovich is a free agent now. He's a, he's a restricted oh. free agent. What about Harrison Barnes? Would you guys trade? It's, it's basically the same deal. He's got a similar contract. There's three years left, and it's decreasing to $18 million at the end. I would favor Harrison Bon Barnes over Heald, personally. Or Bogdanovich? No. It would be Bogdanovich, then Barnes, and then Heald. If we were targeting, I mean, I Barnes, mean, outside of like a Mar- Marvin like, Bagley, who I don't think there's any way, pathway to getting, and it's not clear how I he fits. <laughs> Barnes played well again, you know, on the, the uh, Team USA uh, this past summer with our Celtics, and right. you know, 15 points a game on 46, 39, 80 uh, shooting splits. I think it's, I think he's a guy who can kind of play in any system. He's not, you know, he's he's definitely more suited to be like a fourth option than, than to lead your team. Exactly. Adam, what do you think? Um, I, I like Harrison Barnes positionally better because I think you can play uh, smaller uh, with him. You can, you can play him at the four or the five potentially um, and just completely space the floor. Uh, I'm imagining him playing that uh, Golden State role a little bit more. Um, his contract is is a little bit concerning to me. I, I don't, I haven't actually kept up with the with Sacramento enough. So his production, I'm not sure if he's actually going to fulfill that contract. Well, um, he also has think, a descending contract, so it's right. 22, 20, 18. And I was going to say, I think that's the case with every one of these players uh, we're talking about. Is it totally dependent on on their money? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think Harrison Barnes, he's not, he's not a high level passer, but I think he's a solid passer. Um, and he fits into the, you know, low usage, strong athletic wing with, with high or at least above average defensive ability. I think he'd, he'd be a very nice fit for us, um, positionally, uh, you know, it'd be great if he had one less year, but I think after this season, you could move his contract if you needed to. Um, so he would give us some kind of uh, some of that financial flexibility or maneuverability looking forward. 
Um, let me so, let me jump in with one thing here. So let's so we're talking about moving Hayward here, and and honestly, I could talk myself into any one of these deals. Um, if you would you rather have this players that you're talking about, or would you rather re-sign Hayward to a three-year, sixty million dollar contract? So basically, you pay him thirty-four next year, and then um, and then like twelve million for the two years after. I kind of like having him on that sort of a deal. I don't. I think. I don't think that's an underpay for him. I don't think he would accept that deal. But that's basically what you're talking about with these other players, like like with Barnes, for example. That's well, what right. So about. it's like basically, would if Gordon Hayward opted out and signed for three years, sixty, right, or four, or four years, eighty, or something like that, which has been talked about. Um, I think that's tricky. I think. I, I think there's. I Gordon's obviously a really good player. Something, it's not, it hasn't fit, right? It hasn't, there's been very, very few times in the three years he's been here where it's all clicked. Um, I think he duplicates some of the things um, that we already have, and he doesn't bring enough of the things that we we need as complementary. Like, he's a solid defender, but he's not elite. Um, He's... Um, obviously a very, very, as I said before, I think he's a very high level, quick decision maker and passer. Um, and that's really valuable. That's, I think the one thing he brings that probably nobody else on the team replicates at, at his level at certainly not at his size. Um, but But like in the playoffs, he's kind of melted. Like he, he hasn't done well kind of adjusting to this fourth player, this lower usage role. It just doesn't kind of fit his game. So, Go ahead, but Josh. he's he replicates the things that we already have, which is what makes us different from any other team. The fact that we have three wings who are six, seven, six, eight is you know there's no other team in the NBA that has that you know that are really good players. So I don't mind the fact that he replicates some of the things that we already have. Um, I, I think agree if with you're going to trade Hayward, if you're going to trade Hayward, you do so because he's always injured and. This thing's just felt cursed from the beginning, you know. Like it's if you you do it because you believe that he's just never going to be uh, consistent again. Um, and I'm not, I'm and not that's, sure the players. All these trades come from. I'm not sure the players we were discussing trading him for are changing what uh, you're bringing to the table here dramatically. Um, what what other trades are do you guys have that involve Hayward? Yeah, so let's switch teams here. Um, the, the next team that I looked at was the Orlando Magic. Um, and a trade, this might be my favorite trade with Hayward, uh, would be Gordon Hayward for Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier. Um, and if we needed to add in picks to, to, uh, to make it more appealing to the Magic, then we could. I think yeah, Aaron how many Gordon... Picks? How many picks? Because Orlando needs way more than what we're giving them for that. Um, well, we could... I would give, we could give up Grant Williams. We could give up, um, you know, 20 and 26 this year. We could, I might give up 14 and 26 this year. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of options there and we have more than enough am- ammunition to make it work in a way that we're, we're ultimately comfortable with um, if, if Orlando was kind of sniffing around there. And so Aaron Gordon makes 18 million next year, 16 and a half the year after, and Fournier has a player option. So we're assuming he opts in on we that. We assume he opts in. So we have yep. we have Evan Fournier, who's 
you can't build an offense around for the playoffs, but he'd be great, I think, as a as a kind of first wing off the bench. Um, option Aaron Gordon, I think, is elite defensively at the at the at the four. Uh, he could be a really small ball five if you wanted, um, and he, I think, you could put him against a Bam, um, and and be viable. You could definitely have him guard the big playmaking wings in the NBA, um, and. I think he's a solid passer. I think Stevens would move him away from trying to like initiate offense the way he's been trying to do in Orlando. Cause that's just not his game. I think he'd fit really, really nicely. It'd be nice if he had a little bit better shooting, obviously, but aside from that, I think he'd be a really good fit with our core. What do you guys think of that? I love Aaron Gordon on this team. Um, it doesn't solve the big man issues completely, but it, no. it helps with that. And that's the reason. I, it's like the positional flexibility is the most important thing here. Go ahead, Josh. Um, I, in, in times when I was most down on Gordon Hayward, I would trade him straight up for Evan Fournier. And that's one of the trades that got killed the most uh, by the rest of the Celtics blog staff. You know, because good, good, yeah, good on the saying, Celtics blog team. <laughs> they're saying, you know, Fournier disappears in the playoffs. He's not a great defender. I think, I think he's a really good player. He's he's entering his prime at 27 years old. He shot 3 percent from three this year on 46, 40, 82 shooting splits. Um, he played really well against the Celtics, and I felt like he kind of led that team for Orlando, which is, you know, anytime you're you're the best player on a bad team. You know, I think that shows that you're developing because Evan Fournier four years ago was a nobody. Um, And he grew up, you know, in Europe playing against zone defenses. That's something that I think that if you're trading Hayward, our best zone, our best player against zones, you'd want to get back somebody who's also going to be good against zone. Um, But Fournier, he averaged 18 points a game this year. That's no joke. Yeah, I like him as a as a shooter. That's kind of all he brings off the bench. It's a way overpay for seventeen million a year, but the same thing's happening if you're keeping Gordon Hayward. My question right. here is why does Orlando do this? I think you either really have to yeah. sweeten it significantly uh, with picks, but this is a team that is building around Jonathan John Isaac and and uh, they re-signed Vucevic. And I'm I'm kind of at a loss as to what they're trying to do here. Well, I think they're just trying to get as many assets as possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you fill in at the margins. First of all, if the Celtics have to add in two picks and a young player from our current roster, um, that achieve, accomplishes a roster consolidation in a really yep. significant way. Uh, we get um, one year of Fournier, and then he's off the books. We get a really flexible contract with Aaron Gordon. So uh, that's obviously more reason for the Celtics, but I think that's why the Celtics might be willing to add sweeten the pot sufficiently to make it worth Orlando's while. I think Gordon Hayward fits much better with the core that Orlando has. He can play with a lineup built with Fultz, Vucevic, and Isaac in a way that Aaron Gordon can't. Aaron Gordon has been misfit in Orlando the yeah. entire time. And Fournier, I think his value, I agree, he's a, you know, he's a solid offensive player, above average offensive player perhaps, um, but he, he doesn't get it done in the playoffs. So, you know, he might be interesting to like a Hornet type team, but they're not going to trade much. I, you know, it gives Orlando the opportunity to have a player of the ca- caliber of Hayward on their roster that they're not otherwise going to get. Um, and maybe they can, maybe they can keep him beyond this year. 
Um, if they can't, they get a lot of young players. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe he's a trade asset for them too. I just don't see the the benefit not, of Hayward for them on, on this team. So I think well, you that's why you sweeten the pot. Absolutely. Exactly. Uh, you guys should just be happy that I'm not asking for Mo Bamba in, in return here. Uh, yeah, yes, high, that, would, that would be embarrassing for you. So really, high, you should be happy. <laughs> as high as I was on him when he was drafted, it's, his stock has fallen. Yeah, well, I think and Aaron been, Gordon. Oh, go ahead, Josh. I, I, let me just touch on Aaron Gordon. I think that he's soft and going to be. Uh, I just don't think he's going to reach his potential. Obviously, he's got this this amazing athleticism, and he's never really put it together. Um, he's he's a decent passer, but and he can handle the ball a little bit. But he's just. It's like any position you put him in, he feels like he's out of position. I think he's a bad fit for Orlando. I think he'd also be a bad fit for the Celtics. I just don't think he's a very good player. He's been soft since he was 16 years old. I think he's still soft as marshmallows right now. I'm, I'm not really a big fan of him. Huh. Yeah, well, I don't... Would you I do mean, the deal, Josh? Would you do the deal? I would not. Uh, God. Yeah, if it's for Fournier and Gordon, but I don't think... I don't, I don't see why Orlando would do that. Even with so you're doing it because you're that high on Fournier. <laughs> I think I think uh, Orlando is really high on Aaron Gordon, and I don't get it. And so I don't, yeah. I'm not like I wouldn't be surprised if, if he gets a max I, contract. I think you're underrating how good he is defensively. I don't I don't I don't do make this trade. I make this trade because we want to. To me, we would get Aaron Gordon and basically take the ball out of his hands. Like, I think he's been used on offense wrong in Orlando his entire yeah. career. And he's right. never been – like, he should be um, either a super athletic four or a small ball five. Yep. And the, that's how the Celtics would play him. In Orlando, he's been a three for most of his career. But you switch, you switch Aaron Gordon onto Bam Adebayo, and he's getting crushed. I don't know. I, I don't think. know if that's true. I, I think he, he may or may not. I'm more honestly. I I said that at the start. I was more thinking of him as someone that you could put on a Harden, a Kawhi, a LeBron, and he's stronger yeah. than any of our guys against those guys. Yeah, like he's physically stronger. Yeah. So that that was my what I mainly had in mind for him. I, him against Bam or AD is not my first choice. So I totally okay. agree with that. Anyway, Josh, right, what's your next, next team? Next team. Next trade. Next team is the Pacers. Gordon Hayward has been rumored recently uh, as as being wanted by the Pacers. Surprise, surprise, he's from India. Uh, and obviously, we'd love to have a Malcolm Brogdon uh, or a, a Sabonis. You know, you throw or Jeremy Lamb in there. Or a Turner. Um, but Oladipo's well, been think... rumored to be, be on the outs there, potentially. Which it's uncertain. And they've got that center issue with Turner and, and Sabonis. Yeah, go ahead, Adam. Oh, I, I just—I mean, those are. This is Indiana has been the team that I have seen most often used as a trade destination for Gordon Hayward, partly because they've got those issues. Oladipo uh, has he said he wanted out? Like, what? Why? I don't understand why. There, there seems to be smoke suggesting that he's angling to go and get out, or he's dissatisfied, or something, based on yeah. the way everybody else in the media is talking about it, but. He's got there's one. There's been nothing him. explicit in the public where it's yeah. like Oladipo demands to be traded. Nothing like that. He's got one more year in his contract at 21 million. He's coming off this injury. It's unclear how good he he's going to be moving forward. The center issue. They just simply cannot place Sabonis and Turner together, even though they have been. Um, and and I think they are definitely higher on Sabonis. So Turner has been a trade target for a lot of Celtics fans. 
because he's big. He can defend a little bit. He can shoot a little bit. Um, I mean, TJ Warren is a potential after, after his bubble performance. He's somebody that people are pretty high on. Miles Turner, just going back to him, is making $18 million for the next three years. So it's not nothing, especially c- compared to what the Celtics spend on their cent- on the center position. It's Mike, you mentioned this earlier. It's They almost take like a Patriots approach to position uh, spending, and they've decided they're just not going to spend that much on, on center. So he's a lot for them, um, and he better be one of those players who can uh, compete with the better players in the league. There's a question about that. TJ Warren makes 12 and 13 million over the next two years. Um, so they have a lot of talent that, that we can trade for. Josh, what was the, the, the trade that you had? So we can't get Brogdon or Sabonis. They're not trading them. I fully we agree don't want, that. We don't want Miles Turner. He's a terrible, terrible defender, even though he's a shot blocker. He's, he's, he's a terrible defender. We don't want him. Um, so the only option is Old Depot, and he's the one that's most available. Uh, the only issue is, would you trade a, an often injured player for another often injured player who's even smaller? So I would do it. What's the trade, Josh? The trade is Oladipo and Jeremy Lamb's salary. Uh, Kemba Walker's old teammate from UConn for Gordon Hayward. Would you do it? Oladipo and Lamb for Hayward. Lamb's got two more years at ten and a half. That trade's been in the news. You know, it's it's been. I I worry about how small how much that it makes us that much smaller. And we, I have reasonable confidence i think oladipo at his peak was better than hayward at his peak um oladipo was like legit all nba second team before you know uh, when he was at his highest levels he was around that quality he was he was awesome um like does he he fit this wing that defends and can pass the ball that you're looking no and that's so I think no. that that trade only he's too small. Why not? We we need because to me what we need is players that can go up against a Kawhi or a LeBron or a Durant or bigger. Like we have every other position covered. Um, this Oladipo only makes sense to me if we're also planning to like trade um, Kemba to address the size issue. Because so, Mike, you would not do that trade. I would not do that trade. We need low usage players. Oladipo is not low usage. It's another one of these trades that I could talk myself into. Can Lamb still play? I'm shocked that that this is not automatic to get Oladipo for Hayward. I'm shocked. Well, I, mean, uh, I don't think I don't think either team does it to be honest, unless we know a lot sure. more about Oladipo's health. But the only way this happens is that Oladipo is that Indiana knows they have to trade Oladipo and they and and they like Hayward coming back. I, I again think we need to sweeten this deal for them with a pick or two, which is not a big deal. But I, I would I would totally take a chance on Oladipo. I mean, Mike, I think your 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 comments about why you would not do it are exactly why I would because Oladipo was so good before. Yeah, and, I don't yeah, know. You, I, you still I don't have the side that issue and that, that you have to resolve. I think with the center position. Yeah, I don't know that I wouldn't do it, but I wouldn't do it and stop there for sure. Can, like, can Lamb still play at all? Can he contribute off the bench? Yeah, but he's not good. He's not good. But yeah, and he and he doesn't defend. Like, it, it, yeah, I, you know who? Uh, if if we could try to somehow sneak in, I'd be really interested in getting Goga Batadze from them. Oh my god! All right, well, I got three more trades. I know you got one. Like, what's your what's your next one? All right, so this one's uh, this one's anchored around uh, 
it does have Hayward, but it also has um, Kemba. And Kemba would probably have to end up on a third team in this, but the trade would be Hayward and Kemba to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Chris Paul and Steven Adams. Um, and if yeah, we needed to, I would trade, I would consider adding, I would consider adding Tice as well. If we, if we had to, Oof. for some reason. So say, um, say the trade again, Hayward. So and it's Kemba. Hayward and Kemba for Chris Paul and Steven Adams. Steven Adams has one more year on his deal at 27 and a half. Chris, Chris Paul has two years at 41 plus. Yeah, the player um, option at 44. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, it's a win. It's a win now move. It gets, it clears our, ca- our, our cap. It clears our books. Um, and if your starting backcourt is Chris Paul and Marcus Smart, they're a little on the small side, but we are not going to have the holes on defense we had with Kemba out there. I love getting Chris Paul. Steven Adams is a player that that is hugely helpful in certain situations and a like almost unplayable in others. Um, but yeah, I do this deal for Chris Paul, and I'm just, it's just super interesting. It's super interesting to me. And I think that um, OKC does this also. Yeah, I think they do it, it, especially if they can find another home for Kemba, because I don't think they're going to want his long, long money. But I think they might do it with the confidence they'll find another taker for him. And I yeah. and I think we, to to make sure they do it, we add in a couple picks, which is what they're really interested in right now. Um, wow. We could, Josh, we could. I don't know about about Chris Paul on this team. Um, Chris Paul, he's always been like a little bit of a prima donna, and I don't know if he lets Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge be in charge. That's the thing that I worry about with taking him on. I think he's perfect for us to win with this team for the next year or two, but then, you know, and I think that uh, Danny has a, has a long view on this team where he's trying to build it from the ground up and, and uh, have it happen organically, and, and this just doesn't feel like a Danny Ainge type of trade to me. Uh, would I do it? Yeah, I would do it. I'm surprised by that, Josh. D- Danny's been trying to get Chris Paul since he was since. since yeah, the, he almost traded Pierce rumor. for him. Exactly, he almost traded Pierce so he could draft Paul. He really was trying to trade Rondo for Paul. Um, and I think Chris Paul solves the toughness issues that this that's, that this team has. That's what led me to think. Yeah, when we were talking about Kemba, and I think our last episode, it was you know. I think Chris Paul fills the things we were citing as concerns with Kemba. Um, he will not kind of feel lost or it won't be his first rodeo going deep into the playoffs. Chris Paul uh, notoriously has not, you know, gotten to the, the finals ever um, and and has had some unfortunate kind of exits from the playoffs. But if you look at his numbers, he's still been an elite performer. In his playoff in his playoff runs, um, and I think Stephen Adams gives us someone physically that wouldn't be overwhelmed by someone like AD or uh, Bam. For sure, Chris Paul's yeah. got an injury risk as well. Oh what's, yeah, what's sure. Here? So All right, my next trade is for Blake Griffin, Gordon Hayward for Blake Griffin. He's uh, making thirty six million, and then he's got a player option which he's for sure going to take thirty eight million the following year. Um, you know, Blake Griffin's a facilitator, the same as Hayward, but obviously he can't guard the perimeter. 
but he's 31 and 32 in the next couple of years, you know, so he's still kind of young. He may be able to play a little bit of small ball five. Um, the injuries are a concern, but uh, I think that Blake Griffin needs one last stop to become the fourth option on the playoff team. Like, I think that's a better role for him in the, at this stage of his career. He shot 36% from three last year and, and was an all-star, you know, in that kind of bully ball point forward role that he played. Um, he can run some of those Miami Heat actions out of the high post like Horford used to do. I'm sure he's unhappy in Detroit. And I think it's time for them to blow it up completely and really start from scratch. I don't know what Blake Griffin is doing on the Pistons. Um, so it's, it's kind of a salary move uh, for Detroit. You get out of the money yeah. um, because you get Hayward for just one year. What do you guys what's, think? What's Griffin's defense look like on the Celtics, Josh? Is he playing five? Yeah, he's playing mostly five. And defending well enough? No, he's not. he's not your shot blocker no. you know, but he can, <laughs> and he can't guard the perimeters that's the issue right but would you do that for hayward i, I don't, don't know i'd need a I little don't more i think so i think i'm i'm too worried about his health i i mean if he if he's blake griffin from two years ago and you felt like maybe you had like an 85 percent chance of getting that you might you you, you might not trading hayward to... for him <laughs> exactly yeah i mean of I, all the trades I, of all My the concern. trades that I had for Gordon Hayward, this is the one that I was like not sure of. This is also the one that Jeff Clark was like, "Yeah, that's the interesting one of all of these to me." You know, it seems My like Celtics fans are like Blake Griffin. Yeah, the second year of his contract is the issue. I mean, the first year of the contract might be—he barely played last season. Like, uh, yeah, right. I'm I'm too scared of of that knee. I th- I think you only Fair take enough. a. I think you only maybe like a team like Houston that if they could get off of Westbrook to get Griffin, it might be worth it. Cause you're like just trading off of bad money to get possibly bad money that may change things up, but I, it doesn't make sense to take on an extra year of contract at that high of risk of it just being totally damaged goods. The upside doesn't outweigh the downside there. We, we have time well, for a couple okay. more. Mike, what else do you got? So I don't, I don't actually have any other, um, hard and fast trades. I I just want to toss Let out a couple. You yeah. You give me, give us one more. I, then I want to toss out a couple of kind of thoughts uh, real quick. So I got two more. I'll go quick. If you're not trading for Blake Griffin and you still want to get a big for Gordon Hayward, what about Clint Capella? Now, I'm not saying Atlanta wants to get rid of him or would even do that. What about all. John Collins? That's, because they just signed Capella. Yeah. E- either of those guys, I don't see them trading John Collins. I think they love him, but you know, Capella's yeah, making 18 million. That's not happening for Hayward. Capella's making eighteen million for three years. You'd have to add um, Dwayne Dedman's thirteen million contract, or you would sign and trade yeah. Jeff Teague to be our backup point guard. Um, but I mean, is, isn't Capella the perfect type of big that we're talking about to add? No, no, he's he's a rim runner. He doesn't shoot threes. That's I don't think. I mean, we've always had some rim, rim runners on this team, and it's not really what I think Stevens likes to play. Yeah, I think he's, he's somewhat switchable. No, he's switchable on defense. It's the offensive fit that's the issue. But he, he's not, he's not that good on defense either. Like I don't think he improves our team relative to Tice in a meaningful way. Yeah, and it's a lot more salary. I mean, right, I think so he does in a meaningful trade. way, but it's a lot more you, salary. You do because of, because of his above the rim presence. Yeah, I think on offense, his rim running. I think he's he's a. Uh, he attracts a lot more attention than Tice. Go ahead, Josh. What's next? 
my last trade is my favorite. It is uh, after they both opt into their final year of their contract, or their player option, DeMar DeRozan for Gordon Hayward. Uh, vomit. Vomit, vomit. Yeah. I, I don't want anything to do with DeMar DeRozan. I, I think you are just so far off on this thinking that DeRozan would be an upgrade over Hayward. Uh, uh, I can't. That's it. That's all I got on this. <laughs> Hayward I can talk myself into like it. Used, Hayward plays like he used to be a star, and DeRozan plays like he's used to being a star. He yeah. You know what would happen when DeRozan came to the Celtics? He would not have the ball in his hands all the time. He would not be the driver of the offense, and he would have no useful skills to bring. Wow. He would, if the ball's not, if he's not the primary initiator on offense, he doesn't do anything. He can't, he can't stretch the floor. He's not that good of a, a passer. He doesn't cut. He doesn't move the ball. He makes no sense in Celtics roster construction. All right. Well, well, that's that's we'll save that for another pod because <laughs> you're so wrong on all of those points. But it sounds like the trade that we have the most consensus on is Harrison Barnes. Is that right? Uh, or be it, or uh, Bogdanovich, I think. Aaron Gordon. No, I don't want. I mean, Josh, Josh didn't like Aaron Gordon very much. To me, it sounds like I we, thought. I thought it was the OKC trade. I thought it was Chris Paul. To me, it sounds like we don't love any of these trades. <laughs> like there is no great option here that actually solves the problems that were outlined but, initially. I think there are some good right, options. Right, but would you rather just keep Gordon Hayward? Because I'm a no on that. It's not a. It's not a bad option. All right, Mike, what are your final thoughts? So the final thoughts that I wanted to just toss out, um, I was listening to the Winning Plays pod, which is uh, hosted by Brian Robb, uh, Rich Levine, and Michael Pena, but it was Brian Robb and, and Ryan Bernardoni, in the, and they were talking about Celtics trade value. And they mentioned um, in that conversation that Jalen Brown might be the one of the best trade assets in the league for the next superstar that becomes available. Yep. Which is, uh, I thought it was a great point and yeah. looking to the middle of the season. So not off season consideration. There are players like Bradley Beal, um, James Harden, potentially uh, that could become available. Um, similarly, Marcus Smart is about two, you know, two years out from his next contract what what would you would you be willing to give up something like Jalen and Smart for Harden if he's available at at the deadline? No. Wow, no way. I don't Why want not? Harden. I would do Jalen Brown straight up for Bradley Beal, right? Josh, now. you don't want the greatest offensive basketball player of all time. <laughs> um, I don't want to watch him dribble through his legs five times before he takes a step back through. I just don't think like of all the step that. backs we could have between Tatum and, uh, Oh my God. <laughs> and Harden. I don't want to see it either. Gosh, I, I don't want to see it, but I think you can have success with it. Unfortunately. Would you do it, Adam? Ugh, I don't know. I got to think more about it. I mean, I, the quick answer is, yeah, you have to do that, but I, it hurts my heart. <laughs> I don't want to trade smart at all. Like he's behind Tatum. He's, He's the one I would keep second. Exactly. Because he's is untradeable. So, yeah. so, so that's why I followed up with, can you do just Jalen Brown for Bradley Beal? But it's James Harden. I mean, Jalen Brown for Bradley Beal, that's really interesting. I, 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 or what, what if like the Clippers are just underperforming and 
I mean, they'd both be on their free agent years, but like Kawhi or, or Paul George. The fact that they're not signed long-term is an issue for me. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah, that's, that's definitely an issue. Down. That's definitely an issue. And they've already shown that they're willing to skip town for... But I do, I do, I bring that up um, as a as a concluding point because, and and this applies for Gordon as well. You know, when I was first kind of thinking about the Celtics contract situation, it was feeling like they're trapped. But between Hayward, Jalen, and Marcus, all being potentially extremely valuable trade assets, either now or at the trade deadline, you know, the league always surprises. You never know which way things are going to go over the course of the, the, the season. This is going to be an extra weird season if they're trying to start in two months. Um, there will be a shorter off season, barely any training camp. So um, teams with less con- continuity might uh, start off really slow. And if they have any stars, um, that might make someone more available than you would have expected uh, and sooner. Uh, so, the Celtics actually have still quite a lot of flexibility, I think. Um, and those, you know, Hayward, Brown, and Smart are at three different tiers of contract, which which means they've got a lot of flexibility for making an upgrade if a really good player becomes available. Thanks for listening, everybody.